you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Bibles with you tonight, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read two verses, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. We're talking about, again, living a wide open life for God. So Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14 says these words, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Verse 14. Because narrow is the gate and difficult or straight is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Let me read those verses again. Enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult or straight is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find or who find it. As I said on Sunday, we began to talk about living a wide open life. One that isn't restricted, a life that is not limited, and a life that is not bound up in any way. I believe this is such a vitally important subject since so many of us are either restricted or bound. Let me say that one more time. I believe this is so important for us to hear, to live a wide open life, because there are many of us today who are still restricted in our lives. And still bound up. Or perhaps there are others here tonight who don't understand the expansive life that Christianity opens up to them. Because Christianity, as most people have labeled it as, an old-fashioned, a boring, a limiting or limited life. But Christianity is not a life of restriction but one of such abundance and such blessings. You know those do's and don'ts that they always point the finger and say, well, that's all Christianity is about, is a list of do's and don'ts. That's how many people refer to them. How many have heard that? It's just about do's and don'ts. But they are do's and don'ts that will open up your life, taking you from living a substandard way into a life of, Fullness. I don't mind following things that are going to open up my life and bless me. Come on, do I hear an amen in the house? I'm not going to follow things that are going to leave me miserable and depressed. But God's way, His direction, His guidance is going to open up my life. His way takes a life that's out of control. 
gives it a vision and gives it a purpose. Remember the day you got saved, your life was out of control. But God gave you a vision. God gave you meaning and purpose in your life. And now he's allowing your life to be totally in control. Out of control. Now totally in control. Functioning in its greatest ability. Say with me, I have got to watch for smallness. Let me say that one more time and help me out. I have got to watch for smallness. Those things that try to make my life narrow and restricted. Smallness in the way I live, how I see things and in my thinking, my thought life. Because those are three key areas that Satan wants to have control over. Now you and I know that we can't control everything that comes across our path. I can't control others' words. I can't control others' actions. I can't control some of the circumstances. Now, I can be responsible for many. Come on, do I hear an amen or an oh my in the house? But there are some circumstances of life that I cannot cannot be in control of other people's opinions, their mindsets, their words. I can't be in control over certain issues in my life. You know, when the doctors say there's cancer or the doctors say this, listen... I can bring some things upon my life by being unhealthy, but there are many things that I can't control. Many problems in life. And the list can continue and does continue on and on. But what I must realize and accept is this. What I do have the control over. And what we have the control over is how we respond. And how we react to those things. So how are we responding? How are we reacting? Because the enemy wants to use those adverse circumstances and situations to make us narrow our lives or become narrow-minded. To be ruled by those things instead of understanding that there's a wide open life that God has for me. Smallness that we just said that we don't want to have in our lives wants me to react and respond in a small way. But I've got to live bigger than that. As children of God, we've got to choose to take the high road when we maybe don't even see the road. We've got to choose to be bigger. I said this on Sunday. It's easy to respond in a narrow way to those things where we need to make the decision to be bigger than them. And when we make the decision or that decision to be bigger, it's amazing how few things now can have rule over our lives. And as a rule or as they they come in to try and rule us, they will try to restrict us and place us once again in bondage. Don't let the principles of a narrow path confuse you into living a narrow life. Tonight I want to deal with how do I live wide open? How do I see wide open? And how do I think wide open? So tonight we're going to talk about how we live, how we see and how we think. 
Turn with me once again, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 and 12. And in this passage, Paul writes, O Corinthians, obviously writing to the Corinthians. He says, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart has been wide open. Verse 12. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by by your own affections. Let me read verse 12 again. You're not restricted by us. How many times can we point the finger and say, well, you know what, if my parents were just different, if I just had a better job, if I just had a better doctor's report, if my husband or my wife just treated me right, if I just had a little bit more money in my pocket. Listen, the Bible says that's not the restriction. That's what we're allowing to be the excuse. But that's not the restriction. Come on, you are not restricted by us. It's not a restriction from the outside. But Paul says it's a restriction from the inside. It's a restriction from yourself. I love what the Message Bible says. And just listen to these two verses from the Message Bible. You can hear the heart of Paul, or really the heart of God through Paul, when he says these words, Dear, dear Corinthians. I like that. Not just dear Corinthians. Dear, dear. He's just kind of saying, come on, listen. God's got something special for you. Listen to what God would say. Dear, dear Corinthians, I cannot tell you how much I long for you to enter into this wide, open, spacious life. I like that. We don't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Come on, say with me, increased capacity. Come on, say that one more time. Increased capacity. We need to increase our capacity. What we have inside of us or what wants to be inside of us. Read on or listen on and it says this. Your lives are not Small, but you are living them in such a small way. In other words, what Paul has just said to us is this. I can make my life small by the way I choose to live it. And that's quite a thought there. That I can make my life narrow, restricted, constrained. Instead of being wide open, no boundaries, no limits, the sky, the limit. And as Paul continues, he says these words, I'm speaking to you as plainly as I can with great affection. Open your lives and begin to live openly and expansively. So let's look at the first thought that we want to cover tonight, and that is this. How can I live? How do I live wide open? How can I change the way I live because I'm living so small? How many of you put your hand up and say, you know what, I'm living a lot smaller than I should be? I began to think about this when I was writing this message. I thought, if I was to challenge every one of us tonight, and myself included, on a scale of 0 to 10, with 10, of course, being the greatest and 0 being the worst, where do you think that you are living on the scale? I mean, begin to think about that realistically. I mean, you can lie to other people, but I mean, you're a fool if you start lying to yourself. Come on. 
We're not trying to fool people right now because why? That's not what's restricting us. We've just read the restrictions coming from within. So we better start being honest with ourselves. Come on, on a scale of zero to ten, where are we when it comes to living the life? Let me throw this into the equation and I think it's going to back some of us up a little down on the scale. Not kick us up a little bit, but especially when you begin to understand that everything that God has available for you, everything that His Word promises that we can have in our lives, I wonder then where we really are on the scale in the realm of living. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1, we're going to read the first three verses tonight. And Psalms chapter 1 starts like this, Blessed is the man... Also includes women, so don't feel left out, ladies. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful or of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he doth meditate day and night. He shall be, verse 3, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither. And I like this last part. And whatever he does shall prosper. What are the last few words that we just read right there? Whatever we do. Whatever we are, the Bible says that we can find ourselves in a place of prosperity. Whatever he or she does shall prosper. That means prosperity in my life. That means prosperity in my family. That means prosperity in my children. That means prosperity in my marriage. That means prosperity in my business. That means prosperity in my finances. That means prosperity in my ministry. That means prosperity in my job. That means prosperity in my health. If you want to sum it up, that means prosperity in everything that I am. All included. Would you agree tonight? Because God says whatever he does, whatever he does shall prosper. Before you start jumping up and down, before you start running the aisles, because I know some of you are about to go right there, so just settle down. And before some of you shout uncontrollably, we've got to understand something here of the promise that has just been presented, because it's a promise that God has given to us in order for our lives to live wide open. If we are going to be a part of this promise that was just presented, we can't forget the words that were displayed or recorded before. What do you mean, Pastor P? I'll tell you. No promise of God is without responsible action 
being taken on our behalf. Let me say that one more time. No promise of God. Oh, we shout, oh, that everything I do will prosper. But you know, if we're going to find that prosperity, we better make sure that we're not walking in the wrong places, that we're not seated with the wrong crowd, that we're not stopped. Because that's what the Bible says. But yet our delight needs to be in the law of the Lord. We need to be living. So often we can get so narrow-minded and then yet we still say, well, God, where's the prosperity? God says, oh, the promise of prosperity, the opportunity of a wide-open life is there. But you're restricting yourself by the actions of your life. No promise of God is without responsible action being taken on our behalf. That means by choosing not to live in accordance to his word, we bring our lives into Smallville. We create the smallness in our lives. No one will prosper until he starts doing what God says to do. You can choose not to amen me tonight, but it's the truth. I said it's the truth. No one will prosper Oh, but God says I'm going to prosper. But there is responsible action that must be taken on our behalf. It's like giving a two-year-old a loaded gun. You wouldn't do that. Why? Because that gun is a weapon. That until you know how to control that, you're going to do yourself and someone else harm. God's not going to put something in your hands that's going to destroy you or someone else. He's waiting for you and I to be responsible in our lives that the prosperity, that the blessing, the fullness, that the wide openness, come on, we can blame everyone else, but the restriction of how we're living is because of the way we have chosen to follow or not to heed to God's word. You may say, well, Pastor P, that's kind of tough because I don't understand it all. Join the club. I don't understand it all. But you see, that's what makes faith so incredible. The Bible doesn't say that I have to understand it all. And the Bible doesn't, have to, doesn't say that I have to understand everything. But you know what the Bible tells me? By faith. I need to act upon his word. By faith, I need to allow God to work on my behalf. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16 in the latter part of that verse says, For you are the temple of the living God. Your body is the temple. What is a temple? It's a place where God's presence longs to dwell. As God has said, I will dwell in them. God wants to be in us. God wants to walk amongst us. That I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17, therefore come out from among them. You see, here's the responsibility to the promise. God says, I want to be there. I want to walk with them. I want to be their God. But guess what? Get out from amongst them. Be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Verse 18, and I will be unto you a father. God will be God Almighty in your life. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the 
excellence. I like it. That word excellence means that which is beyond you. How many would say that you live so much in your life beyond your own abilities and beyond your own strength and beyond what you can do? Come on. But why? Because it's the excellence of God. It's that which is beyond you. That there's a power, there's a fullness that wants to live inside of you. That creates an openness in your life that every promise in the book can be yours. Every chapter, every verse and every line that there can be an openness that when the doctors tell me I've got cancer I'm not hanging my head but my head's up when someone cuts me off in the car I'm not getting down and letting it ruin all my day that's not ruling over me anymore because I've got a treasure that lives inside of me that's beyond anything and everything that I could ever be that the power may be of God and not us oh I love this part verse 8 we are hard pressed on every side have you ever been there? Yet not crushed, we are perplexed. I like that word perplexed. That means we don't have the answer. Have you ever been perplexed that you don't have the answer? We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. New Living Translation, verse 10 says, Through the suffering these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. I like that. That the hope of Jesus may be seen in us. Is Christ seen in you? Because He will be when we live a wide open life. I remember Jerry Hunt telling us a story a number of years ago when he came for the church anniversary and he talked about these people who built a submarine to go down into one part of the ocean that was extremely deep. It was a couple of miles at least deep down to the bottom of the ocean. And the pressure that there is down that far is just absolutely incredible. So they had to make this special submarine that could withstand the pressure Because if it was anything else, like a a ship or something, would literally crush it like a little can. And it was recorded that this submarine went down. It was probably a couple of miles down and it was floating along the bottom of the ocean. And those who were inside looked out of the windows. And guess what they saw? They saw this little fish swimming by the window. A little fish. But yet the pressure was so strong that if a ship would have gone down, it would have crushed like a little tin can. But there was just a little fish that was swimming along completely unharmed. How could that be? You know how it could be? Because the pressure inside of that fish was the greater than the pressure outside of that fish. What are you trying to tell us today? 
There's a pressure, there's a power, there's a source that wants to be alive inside of us. That no matter the opposition, no matter the onslaught, come on, we can live a life wide open because there's a power that wants to live inside of us because greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. That we can swim through those precious situations and people can say, how can Doug make it? How can he still have a smile on his face? Why? Because there's a treasure inside of me. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to be closed-minded and narrow-minded and allow these things. I've got to shake them off and get on. Why? Because I've got to be bigger. Come on, say with me, bigger. Come on, I've got to be bigger than my circumstances. I've got to make a decision that I don't want to live narrow and restricted. I've got to be bigger. Sometimes you've got to make that decision 20 times a day. I'm going to be bigger. I'm going to be bigger. The phone rings. I'm going to be bigger. They won't leave you alone. They start texting you. I'm going to be bigger. They won't leave you alone. They start emailing you. I'm going to be bigger. Then there's a knock on the door. I'm going to be bigger. I'm going to be bigger. I'm going to be bigger. You've got to remind yourself sometimes. Come on, do I have a witness in the house? Or do you just wake up on a Sunday morning and say, I'm going to be bigger for the week, and it just tarries you through? I, I, it doesn't work like that for me. If it works for you, then tell us, please. You've got to remind yourself. But you know what? I'm going to live wide open because I've got to understand there's a treasure. A source that wants to live inside of me. Moving on quickly. So how do I see? How can I see bigger? I've got to have 20-20 vision in my life. How do you see? I hope you see well. A lot of us will turn around and say spiritually, we've got a pretty good sight. We do pretty good. We're pretty spiritual. We've got it all together. We know what to say. We know what to do. We know how to praise. We know how to even pay our tithes sometimes. We've got it together. We see things pretty good. But I wonder how well we see when the doctor says there's cancer. I wonder how good we start to see when the landlord says, if you don't pay by tomorrow at this time, you're out on the street with your family. I wonder how we see when we're thinking everything's going good and our boss walks in and says, hey, today's your last day, clean out your desk, we don't need you anymore. I wonder how we see when our spouse turns around and says, hey, I'm through, I'm finished, this is it, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you and the kids. How good is our vision and how good is our sight then? I really truly believe that we will discover how wide open our sight is when we're faced with adversities. Come on, it's easy to praise God when everything is going good. It's easy to see your way of escape when everything is hunky-dory. Come on. What about when all hell breaks loose? All of a sudden, what do we see? We don't see the victory anymore. We don't see the great God anymore. We don't say, great God, great God, great God. We say, bad God, bad God. Where have you gone? You've left me. You've forsaken me. What's the deal? You see, the reason we're talking about living a wide open life is because it not only affects the way you live, but it also affects the way you see things. We've got to start seeing things through God's eyes. Second Kings, and we're going to look at verse 17 in a few moments. But in Second Kings, there's a story about the Assyrian army that they came to capture Elisha. Because everywhere the Assyrian army went, the Israelite army was waiting and they couldn't understand why. And they finally said, well, the reason why is because the prophet, he's telling them, God was speaking to him and telling them. So every time the enemy was going somewhere, the Israelites were waiting to defeat them. 
So the Syrian army got mad and said, well, we're not going to go after the army anymore. Let's get rid of Elisha. Let's get rid of that man of God. So in the morning, for whatever reason, the servant gets up and he goes to do his chores and he's out and about. All of a sudden, he runs back to Elisha and he can hardly speak. He's so overcome. And Elisha says, what's the deal, buddy? He says, you're not going to, you know, you know, going to believe it. And Elisha has to calm him down and says, what, what, what's going on? And the guy turns around and he says, you're not going to believe this. He says, but all around the city, there's an army. There's an army all around the city. What are we going to do? You know what a lot of us would have done? We'd have said, let's run. Let's hide. Let's do something. But you know what Elijah said? Elijah prayed. I said, Elijah prayed. And what did he pray? He said, Lord, I pray. Open his eyes that he might see. Read it. Look, verse 16. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around The first thing he saw was an enemy around the city. Come on, you've got to catch that because this is powerful. The first thing he saw was an enemy all around the city. But when God's opened his eyes, he saw something different. He saw a new army. But no longer was this army encompassed around a city. He saw an army around the man of God. What are, you got to, what are you saying, Pastor B? You've got to open up your eyes and begin to see something. Remember when Satan came to God and God said, Have you considered my servant Job? You know what Satan said to God in Job 1 verse 10? He says, Have you not made a hedge all around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. You see, too often we see in the natural, but I'm here to tell you tonight, the way you see is critical. You can see the opposition, but would you look again? Would you look again? Because there is an army of the heavenly host that surrounds us. What did God say to Satan or Satan say to God? But you've put a hedge all around. You've got to start seeing that there is a protection, a blessing that is around you and your family that God has placed. So how do you see? Oh, Pastor P, I don't see too good. It's not looking too good. Look again. Look again. Because a wide open life will see an opportunity for God to come through. So how do you think? So how do you think tonight? Well, I know this. We need to begin to think from a renewed mind. What does Romans 12 verse 2 says? But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say with me, a change of thinking. Come on, I need a change of thinking. No more stinking thinking. Why? Because Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says these words, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So what are you saying? Remember he said, I'm not restricting you, you're restricting yourself. We can restrict ourselves by the way we live, by not having the treasure alive inside of us. 
We constrict ourselves by the way we see because we can see the adversity but yet fail to see the armies of God and the provision and blessing. And we can choose to be restricted in our minds. Why? Because we cannot think the right thing. Philippians 4 verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, if there's a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. What is he saying? Set your mind on that. The Bible says that we are to set our minds on the things above and not the things below. So when we begin to allow the enemy to come into our minds, how often does he restrict us in our minds? Instead of saying, hold on a second, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, good report, if there's any praise, if there's any virtue, that's where my thoughts need to be. Come on, I need to set my mind on that when the enemy comes in to try and consume me and overtake me. Come on, hold on a second. It's not a narrow, restricted life. It's a wide open life. You're not going to change the way I live. You're not going to change the way I see. You're not going to change the way I think because God is still able. You see, when we begin to live like that, When we begin to see like that, and when we begin to think like that, then we can begin to partake of Philippians 4 verse 13, which says, I can do all things. Come on, you can't say that from a restricted life. Do I hear an amen? You can't say that from restricted vision. You cannot say that from a restricted or clouded mind. You can't stand up and say, I can do all things. We've got to get to that place where we believe that, that all things are possible. That no matter what, we've got to believe. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means no matter what, I can make it when my life is on a wide open pathway. The Bible says that Daniel distinguished himself above everyone else. Why? Because there was an excellent spirit inside of him. Why was there an excellent spirit inside of him? Because the excellence was a product of the way he lived, the way he saw, and the way he thought. What's the product of our lives? When the world looks at us, what do they see? What's the product of our lives? Can they say there's an excellent spirit or can they say that's a hypocrite right there because one day he's saying this and the next day, one day he's seeing this and the next day he's thinking, come on, what are they seeing in our lives? Unfortunately for most, it's more restriction, limitation and bondage than freedom and liberty. Yes, there's going to be setbacks, but we have to realize God is on our side. And the only restrictions you will live by are of your own making. By the way you live, by the way you see, and by the way you think. Some of you right now are facing some things that are trying to restrict you. Trying to restrict your sight. Trying to restrict your thoughts. Trying to limit your life. Listen to me, don't allow the principles of a narrow pathway. We know what the principles are. That which God tells us. Don't allow the principles of a narrow life to confuse you 
Or don't allow the principles of a narrow path to confuse you into living a narrow life. What did Joshua and Caleb say? We're well able to go up. I said it Sunday morning, that word able means this. We have the capacity to prevail and succeed. You know you have the capacity today to prevail and succeed. You have the capacity to prevail and succeed in the way you live, the way you see, and the way you think. But if you're not living in that capacity, it's because you've restricted your own life. You need to start asking God. You need to start living different. You need to start seeing different. And you need to start thinking different. Don't hear an amen tonight. Stand to your feet with me if you would. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.